You're listening to Leveling Up, the podcast dedicated to helping you achieve your career goals faster without all the guesswork. Each week, we cover topics like people management, communication, personal brand, time management, and so much more. Hello, my name is Mary Fox, and I'm the co-host of Leveling Up. Thanks for joining us. I'm also the co-founder of Marlo, a personalized development and coaching platform for professionals who are looking to achieve their goals faster. We bring in experts in areas that help us bridge our own skill gaps. One of the most challenging skills uh, that I've found, and I think a lot of others too, have discovered is really developing those public speaking and communication skills, presentation skills. Today, I have with me on the show, Dinesh Damani. He's the co-founder and CEO of Ori, an AI speech coach that helps individuals and teams sound more confident, compelling, and concise. He's also a keynote speaker and a TEDx speaker coach. Uh, when Dinesh is not working, he's cycling, playing squash, and meditating. Dinesh, thanks so much for being here. Of course. Thank you so much, Mary. Uh, so today, we're going to talk a lot about what our listeners need to know to improve their speaking skills. But before we jump into it, I'd really love to learn more about your background. I'm born in Pakistan. I grew up in Tanzania, which is in East Africa. And I came to the U.S. around six and a half years ago from college. I was a mechanical engineer, never thought I needed to be good at presentation skills. I thought presentations are things that you just create on your PowerPoint and read off your slides and present it to people. And that's it. However, one day a manager pulled me aside and she's like, Danish, you can be the smartest engineer in the room. But if you don't learn to present in a compelling, concise manner, you're putting a glass ceiling on your head, something you just can't climb any higher. And I said, what should I do? And she's like, go join this public speaking club called Toastmasters. And I went, tried it religiously. And after a few months, realized that this is actually a learnable skill. This fear that so many people have, including me, was something that can be overcome and you can sound confident. And after a few months, I broke through my glass ceiling. I was getting more buy-in for my ideas. I was getting more airtime with senior decision makers in the organization. And I said, everyone needs to have this. It's not just a soft skill. It is a crucial business skill that impacts the bottom line of your business. And that's been my journey. And that's what I'm passionate about. And that's what we do at Orion. Wow, that's incredible. So Toastmasters, I, I didn't realize that was a big part of your journey. Just for people who are listening, Toastmasters is a really important tool that is available in a lot of different cities. You can definitely find a meetup in your area uh, as a listener. As you're thinking about the skills that you initially learned, what were some of those early adjustments that you were able to make within Toastmasters and kind of in your day-to-day? -day? So in Toastmasters, one of the most compelling thing for me was this thing called table topics, where I would just come up, pick up a piece of paper, and it would give me a random topic, maybe space and football. And within 15 seconds, I had to come up with something and speak about it for up to two minutes. And this idea of improv thinking, of improv speaking, developed these muscles inside my brain, inside my mouth, I guess, to be able to speak anytime, anywhere, in any kind of setting. And at the end of those table topics, people would actually give feedback. I would be told, Danish, today you had nine arms, three basically's, and two and so's. And everyone would clap because the week before I had 15 arms. So there was that progression, there was that positive reinforcement, there was feedback. That was the biggest thing that helped me really start improving quickly. So those think pauses are important. What are some of the other it, body language, anything else that they corrected you early on? I think they did everything, like filler words, pacing, pauses, energy, variation, my body language, how I'm standing, how I'm using my hand gestures, how I'm looking 
around the audience, all of that. I think so many of us, when we think about public speakers and the great ones that we admire, I can think of many. Uh, Michelle Obama is one of my favorites, where people who you just watch and, and you're immediately listening intently because they have a way of carrying themselves and a way of delivering their, their story. Who is it that comes to mind for you when you think of a great speaker? I think this was one of my managers at work, that same manager who inspired me to join Toastmasters. Every time she would present, it would be like, oh, how easy is it for her to take a complex idea, a complex topic, a technical topic, and present it in a way that even my grandmother could understand. Awesome. Okay. So let's get a little bit further into becoming a TEDx coach. What, what, what does that mean for, for those that are listening? You have TED, you have TEDx. What's the difference there? And, then, and how are you coaching uh, people who are speaking for TEDx? So TED is that main organization where they host annual, sometimes semi-annual conferences in beautiful parts of the world. That's the main TED stage where they invite top experts in their fields to share ideas. At the same time, they have TEDx, which are organized by leaders in different regions in the world. So at any given moment, you might have a TEDx happening every single day across the globe. I reached out to people who are organizers of TEDx events in my local region or any connection I had and said, hey, I went through this journey. This is what I can do. And that's just by asking and reaching out, I was invited to coach people. So as you're coaching each of these TEDx speakers, what are some of the common themes and patterns that you see come forward on a regular basis that, that our listeners might also be struggling with, but maybe don't know it? So preparing for TEDx is a little bit different than preparing and becoming just better in your everyday communication. However, focusing on the TEDx, there is a due date. Like, you know, in three months, you have to do this presentation. And so it's very important to realize, okay, if I have three months, how am I going to chunk it out? By when do I need to have my script ready? By when do I need to have a second draft of my script reviewed by my coach? And then how much time do I need to actually practice to either memorize that script or make it sound fluid? So as a coach, we work with them to chunk all those three months out in those sequences. And Towards the end, the last month, it's all about practice because you have your message done. It's all about focusing on your delivery. And that's one of my core strengths. How do I help you enhance your message in your delivery by focusing on your delivery skills? So I would give feedback on your hand gestures. For example, a lot of people tend to do finger gestures, like they count one, two, three on their fingers, but that's very small and that's very mundane. Instead, you can do larger gestures by making use of your space and using your entire arm and saying from left to right, one, two, and then three. So these are some things that I really focused on, as well as your whole body posture. A lot of people, especially first-time speakers, their bodies tend to portray how they're feeling internally. So they might be a little bit closed. Their chests might be a little bit crouched. Sometimes you'll see their legs might cross over. These are just ways of our body showing and telling us, hey, I'm nervous, but that's okay. And the suggestion there is, Instead of letting your body do that, you command the body to do confident gestures and postures. For example, having your feet shoulder width apart, having your chest a little bit outside, having your gestures be large and inviting to your audience. And when you start doing this, you reverse the connection and tell your brain and your body that, hey, I'm confident. Doesn't matter if you think I'm nervous. And then your body reacts like that. There's some pretty great research to back that up, right? That that it's not just how we, as a coach, you see this and, and your experience shows it, but studies even show that as you change your body language, it changes your, your feelings. Is that fair to say? Yeah. And the most 
popular mainstream research is presented by Amy Cuddy. She has a beautiful TED talk on the power pose. Mm-hmm. So yes, definitely. Great. Well, thanks for all of those specific tips that as somebody who's thinking about this at home and wondering, how do I even start to become a better presenter? They can start to adjust their their thought process and, and go out and look for ways that they might want to start improving. So whether that's going to Toastmasters or even just recording themselves and looking in the mirror and giving that presentation and saying like, am I standing the way that I should be? Am I presenting myself in a, in a confident way? Why did you start Ori though? What, as you were going through this journey, what is it that kicked off the idea of, you know, this is, I'm going to throw my whole life into starting a business related to speaking and presenting effectively? So I knew that I wanted to do my own stuff. And at the moment, I was juggling, I think, between three, four ideas that I was simultaneously doing. Because as a young millennial, you feel you can do anything. You have no responsibilities. You come back from work and you can do anything you want. So I was juggling a bunch of different ideas and working with different teams. But one thing that I was really passionate about was helping people speak better because I firsthand felt that pain and I firsthand felt the accomplishment that comes about when you overcome that pain, when you go from fear to confidence. It's a big leap and it changes your personality. It changes your personal trajectory. It also changes your business trajectory. So if you're in a career path, you're bound to get more promotions or climb the ranks if you are a great presenter. Because as you climb high in the corporate world, soft skills tend to become more and more important than your technical skills. And so I personally felt that from all the ideas I had, this idea was the one that could have the greatest impact on humanity. And I'll repeat that, greatest impact on humanity. Because if I'm going to spend time building a business product or service, I don't just want to serve one city or one country. I want to build something that can truly touch the lives of millions across the globe. And that is what ORI has enabled me to do. That's fantastic. And it's it's very similar to our mission here at Marlowe, right? We, you, there's no reason for people to struggle in areas where they can improve. And so providing them with fantastic resources, what you call soft skills, we we call core skills. These are the skills that that you need to be a professional at a basic level today. And, and as we get further and further into the coming years and the shifts that are happening in the workplace, those core skills are the most important thing that professionals can have. The app itself, so I've used it and I think it's fantastic. Can you walk us through how it works and how a, an individual goes from signing up to actually becoming a, a stronger speaker? You go on the App Store or the Google Play Store and just search ORI, O-R-A-I. Install the app and then create a new account. Once you create an account, you will be given a baseline assessment. This is Ori's way of understanding who you are, where you are, and what your goals and challenges are. And based on that, it can personalize your journey. As soon as you finish that, you have two ways of going about Ori. One is you can go through the journey that is assigned to you. And that journey could be something like work presentation. It could be compelling communication. It could be concise communication. And these journeys really target on these core skills. And these journeys have very gamified lessons, bite-sized. They might have a video clip of Obama speaking, maybe a poor public speaker speaking. So you learn from social experience. That's one way. The second way of using Ori is in practice. This is a way that you can use for any presentation, any talk. In fact, as I'm speaking to you right now, I can just turn on Ori, hit practice, and at the end, I can get a report on how well I did. Did I have those ums and uhs that I didn't notice, but I just started it just started creeping in my speech because I was nervous. So you have those two modes of using Ori. Great. And so once they're in, they're moving through either a set program or they can just use it to practice. How do you account for 
you were talking a lot about body language earlier. How do you account for helping someone improve their body language or the sort of non-spoken communication patterns? It sounds like the videos might be helping quite a bit there. But Yeah. So Orai gives automated AI-driven feedback on five to six core skills. So filler words, your pace, your vocal clarity, your energy, and your use of pauses. These are all from your voice. Recently, what we added was facial expression. So then you turn on your video. Some lessons are video-based. For example, how to have a good first impression, where Ori will show you examples of people who have good first impressions and how to convey warmth, how to convey confidence through your smile. And Ori will give feedback on, were you smiling? Were you neutral? Or were you frowning? So that's the facial expression spark. As for body language, we do not currently give automated feedback on that, but through examples of best practices, like how to stand, people can just do it and improve right there and then. As you've gone through this journey of developing ORI and, and having lots of users and collecting plenty of data to improve the process, have you found any interesting trends that you'd be willing to share publicly on themes of behavior where, where people tend to be needing the most help? We know from data, filler words is the top thing, not only where people need help, but people themselves know they need help with because we have an onboarding survey where people ask, we ask them, what do you need help with? And filler words always come up. And the interesting insight we've seen is filler words actually vary by region. So in North America, ums are very prominent, ums and us, versus when you look at, let's say, Southeast Asia, we're seeing more of you knows and basically's and likes. So you have these regional variations. As for pace, it's also dependent on your region. For example, we have noticed some parts of the world where talking faster is actually more common. And so we have to then reprogram our algorithms and decide and contextualize where it is appropriate to speak faster. Those are some insights that we have come across. Okay, so I am a French speaker, not fluent, well, fluent, I don't know. My, my, I'll let my future family, I'm marrying a French man, but he and his friends, and I noticed one thing that comes up is dragging out words, right? So it's a very common thing in the French language to, as you're speaking, just say, right? And you just start to connect words together. Does Ori account for that? And not just picking on French, because I think a lot of English speakers do the same thing. So what Ori would give feedback on that specifically is pauses. It'll notice that you have actually zero pauses in that whole two minute long thing you just said. And Ori will point it out where you had pause or you didn't have pause. The other thing it'll be is it'll give you a very low score and pace because we have seen people who actually drag their words over a longer period of time, they have very low pace because the words that they're actually saying is few compared to their time they're spending. So I will give feedback on that as well. What is the right pace in, for example, the US or you know most regions of the US? How many words per minute should we be aiming for as we give a presentation? So I don't have the right answer. That's okay. <laughs> Because there is no right pace. There is no median that Ori tries to get you. All Ori will tell you is these are ranges that you should stay away from, like less than 100 words per minute can sometimes sound boring. And when I say less than 100 words per minute, I mean the average of your entire speech. Of course, during your speech, you can spend 20 seconds going very slow. And that is an effective delivery skill that you can use to build suspense. And so, or I will give you a graph of where, how you varied your pace. By the end of the day, your average should still be in between this range. And this range is vary from the expert you talk to. Some say 100 to 150 words per minute. Some might say 130 to 80 words per minute. So there is no right or wrong answer. All Ori does is gives you the raw data and then you can judge whether that was appropriate. Great, okay. So plenty of skills there to use in order to provide 
a little bit of insight into your own pace and the words that you're using. I'm really trying hard not to be uh, self-conscious today as I run our, you know, lead our conversation and think, what filler words am I adding? But in the in the world of public speaking right now, what what are you excited about most? You have you have apps like Ori, you have other types of programs where you can uh, learn more about public speaking of Toastmasters, but what else is coming up and that we should be all paying attention to? As So we primarily serve enterprises. So the buyers that I'm talking to day in, day out are learning development leaders or business unit leaders who are trying to find ways of upskilling their employees. And it's been a great trend that I'm hearing a lot of these teams are introducing presentation skills series inside their organizations or inside that small team of 200 in a large 100,000 employee organization. So I'm seeing this as a trend where people are realizing the importance of better presentation skills because what do you do at your work? 70% of your calendar items are meetings, meetings and conference calls. That's it. That's how business world works. And so if you can help someone be, let's say 10% concise, 10% more compelling, you can actually make those meetings more productive. And those are the trends that we are seeing that we are actually riding the wave off at Ori. They they have a vested interest. Companies are leaning in. We're seeing an increase in the spend there too. So it, it's fascinating how the shift, it, when you look at the studies of whether or not people expect their employer to help them with certain skills, the vast majority actually say no. They don't expect their, expect their employer to skill them. They expect to come in and have those skills. And yet, at the same time, companies are paying more attention because they need that. And I think we're starting to see a shift toward as you see companies provide these benefits, they start to become the norm and, and therefore expected, right? And so having somebody inside your company to provide you with resources such as ORI to help you become a better speaker um, isn't something that would have happened, say, five years ago or three, even three years ago. Hopefully, we'll see more of that shift because I think it's a great opportunity for companies to become more competitive. We're getting into the end of our conversation here, and I had a few questions about your journey in terms of you're quite a bit younger than a lot of CEOs. You know, you've had to rapidly learn how to get to where you are today. What is it that you would have liked to have learned sooner or a skill that you now know that you wish you would have known at the beginning of your speaking journey as you started to develop these skills? People manage when I started Ori, I felt just my co-founder and I could do everything. He's the coder, I'm the businessman. He will build, I will sell. And that way we'll take over the whole world. And that was a very naive kind of thinking that young CEOs or farmers might have. The thing is, if you truly want to build something that's sustainable, that's scalable, and that has an impact on humanity, you need a team. Not five people, not 10 people, but you're going to grow to 20, 30, 100,000. And at every level of team size, people management skills become so crucial. And the biggest challenge that I have is how to make sure everyone is happy. Happiness is directly correlated with their work output, that about their productivity, about their engagement, how happy they're at work, how long they'll stay with you, how they have their customer interaction. So happiness is something that I constantly think about. And the hard thing is you can make one individual or team happy and that will have a direct correlation at, of reducing the happiness of another team member. And finding that compromise, that balance is a constant struggle that I try and talk to my mentors, our investors, and read books about it. Well, that's a perfect segue into my next question, which is what's the best resource you lean into these days to not just increase your presentation skills, but also in general, like life and work. Right now I'm reading a book called Atomic Habits. I also have that on my list to read, but what, what's the takeaway for that one? Habits can be formed. And I've read a few other habit 
philosophies, but I found this particular philosophy as something that's scientific and I felt it works and gives you a whole framework of how to slowly but surely build a habit and a habit can be formed in anything you want. And it also touches a little bit on the idea of flow, how to have happiness and enjoyment from your work. So I like that concept in the book. All right, I'm going to switch gears as we wrap up. And I want to know, because you mentioned in your bio that you meditate and this is a big part of what you're doing. You also find time to cycle. You find time to play squash. How how do you make that balance? We have so many listeners who have lots of competing priorities. And often the excuse is, well, I don't have time to do sports or I don't have time to meditate. I don't have time to you know, take time for myself. What do you have to say about that? I think it's about who you are and knowing what you prioritize. And for me personally, I prioritize my personal health above everything that means above my business. And so if I'm trying to say, should I do that extra two hours of work today or go play squash? It's an easy decision because I've already made that prioritization happen in my mind. And the way I have prioritized health over my business is because I know my business is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And I know I'm in here for the long run four years, five years, eight years, however long it takes to have that dent in the universe. And if I'm going to do that, I need to make sure that I'm sleeping seven, eight hours a day. I need to make sure that my I'm healthy so that I'm not getting sick, so that I'm making sure that I'm high productivity when I'm actually working. And I've seen, your, I'm reaping the rewards of that. You know, it used to be that people would brag about how little sleep they have. And, and those same founders from say eight years ago are now the same ones coming back to say, hey, I have a gratitude journal, right? We've got Justin Kahn on uh, multiple podcasts talking about how he's been focused on meditation and gratitude. And you have other founders who, again, used to brag about never sleeping or working so hard that are saying, hey, mental health matters. You've got to prioritize this. And as we're in this world of burnout and we see professionals who aren't founders, right? Professionals at all stages in their career can burn out and they do. Uh, Finding time for yourself and being able to prioritize that over even your work will lead to better work. (laughs) And this is the thing that we try to help people see on a regular basis. How can you slow down, take a minute for yourself, even if it's just going for a 10 minute walk in the middle of your day. Those are really important things to be just better for yourself, but also produce better work. We think in the short term, but it's really hard to overcome that barrier and think long term with something that can be coached. And it's really helpful if you have a coach because then they hold you accountable towards that principle. What would you have to say as we wrap up? What would you want our listeners to take away from today's conversation? The takeaway would be communication is a coachable skill and do not do not let it be on the side. Focus on it starting today. And it's very simple. Go join a Toastmasters club. Go practice in front of a mirror. If you don't have access to either of those, download Ori. Start a journey. Get your baseline assessment and start going on that journey of becoming better. And if you can't pay for Ori yourself, see if your company will pay for it. And even if you can pay for it, see if your company will pay for it. Where can our listeners find you? They can find me on Twitter. They can find me on Instagram. And by email, donish at oridon. Great. So if you have questions for Donish, like send him a message, don't spam him. We will put all of those links in the show notes. Check us out at getmarlo.com. We are also at levelingup.co for the podcast. Donish, thank you so much for being here. Fine, no much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Leveling Up. To help you take the guesswork out of achieving your career goals, check out more conversations at levelingup.co and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast provider.